Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this hour to hear your word. Lord Jesus, in your power, come down and visit your church. Minister unto us, O Lord, even at this time, let no man anymore be noticed, but you alone be glorified. Come down your fullness and your power to minister according as you have packaged for your people this day. That your name, O Lord, alone be glorified. Take over now, Holy Spirit of God. Glorify yourself, Jesus. Magnify your word. And let every heart be reached according to your design. Take over now. I hand over myself and the word that you have put in my lips to share with your saints. Thank you, our Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We thank God for today. I thank God for all of us. I thank God because Jesus Christ is Lord. He reigns and he rules. And I thank God in particular because there is a greater pouring of the Holy Spirit. More and more people are now realizing the need to go back to God, to return to God. And as I travel all the places and as we minister the word, I've seen great and tremendous change. The way people receive the word now, the way people receive the scripture now is quite different. Because the Bible says in Joel that in the last days I will pour out my spirit or flesh. I think that has already taken place. And great and mighty things are already happening. And uh, today I thank the church for inviting me to Minister and share this word, the topic titled Dealing with Weights. And so we are looking at this word, even as we have already read when we read the epistle in Hebrew chapter 12, verse 1. I will read it again. It said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about. With so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There is a race that is set before us. There is a journey we are making. God has a plan, God has a purpose. And in fact, when you establish an institution, there must be a purpose. There must be rule. There must be a way it must be run for the aim of that institution to be achieved. And so when God downloaded the earth, when God created the earth, there is a purpose, there is a reason, there is a pattern. It's not just for nothing. There's a way God packaged it. And so, 
in fact, where we read now, he said, a race that is set before us. We have to run it accreditably. We have to run it with pattern. He said, let us set aside every weight that beset us. Let us lay aside every sin, every problem, every evil, every weight, every luggage that is delaying us from running this race according to the way God has set it. That is the appeal in this Hebrew chapter 12 verse 1. Let us look unto Jesus, the Lord of our salvation. Let us drop every baggage that will make us not to run according to pattern. He said, even in the book of John, that you should come, on, come ye unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is asking us to come to him. In fact, he said, every weight, we should lay it at his feet, so that we can run. And when we look at our lives and our situation, we can see that we are carrying a lot of weight, one way or the other. And if Jesus can also take the pains of the cross, if he could take the pains of the cross to die on the cross, why can we not lay, our, lay aside those little weights, those little foxes, that want to damage our race to heaven. Those weights must be dropped in the name of Jesus. Tell your neighbor, drop that excess luggage. Every excess luggage, we are dropping them today in the name of Jesus. Jesus did it to save us. Jesus did it so that we can accomplish the race according to God's pattern. But many of us are not Dropping the weight, we are still carrying it. Luggages. What is God's plan? Let me, let's briefly look at God's plan. How did God plan this thing? This thing we are talking about. And if we look at his plan, we now look at, see why you must, everybody must drop his weight. Any excess weight that will make you to go outside this God plan, that weight must go. I said that weight must go. Praise the Lord. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1, two of them are saying the same thing. Two of them say that in the beginning God was there. That beginning, none of us, none of our forefathers were there. Only God was there. And he was there with his word, the word of his mouth. And in John 1.11, we discover that that word of God is the son of God, Jesus. And so at the beginning, God was there with Jesus as his word and with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible said that the earth was void and so the Holy Spirit of God was moving, but God was seated with his word, which is the son, Jesus Christ. And later he began to create he began to make all things and began to create all things. And he said, in Genesis 1 verse 20, let the waters bring forth every living creature. So the, all the things you see inside the water came from water. And also the fowls of the air. 
that is God's pattern. God began to create with his word. And that his word is Jesus Christ, his son. He created all things with him. With him. And when he finished creating those that came from water, in verse 24, he said, Let the earth bring forth all living creatures, cattle, sheep, and goats, and trees, and every other thing you see came from the ground, came from the earth. And so, all creations finished. God now, in verse 26, he said, Now, let us, he now had a meeting with the Son and with the Holy Spirit and said, let us make man in our own image like us. And that was, brethren, that's how you came about. God took special pain to create you. God had a meeting before you were created. God consulted with his Son and the Holy Spirit and they agreed that we should be like them. Hallelujah. And that is, you see how God diligently brought about you and me. That is why we must pay attention to the rest that he has set. So that we run according to his own plan. Because he took time to create us. And so, after he has done that, God took time, if you go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, God took time to make man with his hand. In fact, I was imagining that the day God was forming man, he will look at Jesus, look at his head and form the head of man like that, look at his leg and hand, because he said, let us make man in our image. So he started making. From this ground, he molded man. He breathed his breath into man. And man became a living being. Praise the Lord. A round of applause for Jesus. And that is how you came about. That is how we came about. So man is the only creature that has the soul and the spirit of God. And so when man dies, the body that came from ground, which he molded, will go back there. But this soul of God, which is actually you. Have you had a dream before? And you were in Enugu and you saw yourself in the village. Or you saw yourself in Lagos. That is the actual you. Not the one lying down. That one will return. But that actual you, which is the, the, the soul, that is the one that will now, at the end, will go back to God in heaven if you have run the race well. Or go to hell, which is very dangerous. Hell is very dangerous. Say hell is very dangerous. I will not go there. Say it. Don't, you must run your race well so that you don't go there. That is what we are saying. That is what we are talking about today. That race, we must run it. And so, you must therefore lay aside that weight that will delay you. That weight that will make you to begin to go to hell. God forbid. I will not go to hell. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. That story there covered this message. He said, There came a man unto Jesus. One man, I don't know the name of this man, but I like that man. Who, 
Bible didn't say his name. But he's a good man. One day, he just woke up and, and went to Jesus and started looking for Jesus. What are you looking for in this church? Is it not Jesus? Uh, you have done a little thing like the man. And we now, let's look at what the man did. Let me know whether you are doing that. And this man came to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That was the man's worry. That was what the man was looking for and asking for. What will I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus answered, Jesus looked at the man and said, My friend, go and obey the Ten Commandments. That's what you need to do. You, you know the Ten Commandments. Go and keep them. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit fornication. Do not steal. Do not kill. Do not be a false witness. Do not defraud anybody. Do not covet your neighbor's assets. Honor your father and your mother. Is that not the Ten Commandments? That was he told man. Go and do that if you want eternal life. <laughs> the man replied. If you look at your Bible, you see it there. The man replied and told Jesus, from my youth I have kept this thing I have kept all this thing. And that explanation made Jesus to be so excited and the Bible said, look at your Bible, Je the Bible said that Jesus now beheld the man. Jesus looked at the man from head to leg. Jesus was sure that, do you mean you have kept this thing command from youth, that's wonderful. The Bible also says, and Jesus loved the man. Hallelujah. Jesus loved, in fact, Jesus nearly embraced the man. And in fact, Jesus went now to promote the man and to make him a great man. And so Jesus said, please come. In fact, now when Jesus now wanted to start promoting him right away, Jesus discovered that there is one thing left. Jesus said one thing is left. I think that man was a good Christian, but he was not helping the poor. He was, he was selfish. He was keeping everything he had to himself. He was not helping others. So Jesus go and told him to go, because he's a rich man who, Jesus told him, go and sell even those uh, 404 that you packed and those, uh, those other, even that Volkswagen you packed there that you are not using, go and sell them and give the poor. Go and sell some more. Re reduce the luggage. That is the luggage we are saying. Those things that beset you. Jesus now told him, that's the only thing remaining. You know. Go and remove them. Then come and follow me. <laughs> you know, people don't know that following Jesus is the greatest promotion anybody can have. Hallelujah. And so, Jesus asked the man, go and remove those things and then come and follow me. And the man, the man felt frustrated. The man now thought about his motto, his uh, his uh, money, good, all the things he had. Whether he, he, this man, does he mean that I should go and sell them and, and just come and follow him like that? And the man went away frustrated. 
brethren, the man could not drop the weight that beset him. Let me tell you, many of us are already born again. Many of us, of course, that are serious with their born again, don't do fornication and adultery again. That one is, is long time. That is the first thing to do when you become born again. Those ones are no longer counted for a believer. It's assumed. Okay, you cannot enter. If, if you see somebody in the university, will you ask him, do you have school cert? Are you going to do that? No, it's assumed. If I see an undergraduate, I will, just, I will, I will be asking him, what grade did you make in school cert? Not whether you have school cert. He already has it. Because that's a prerequisite. And so, what now remains is these little, little other things helping the poor, helping the working for God. That is what that man lacked. He was a self-contented believer. He kept all the commandments. But he was, maybe he was not even going for evangelism. He was not going for working for God. He was not even bringing money to support the gospel. He, had, he made sure he kept all the commandments. But he, the foxes, the little, little things that he needed to do, the extra baggages, he was still having them. And that is the way most of us are operating today. And so this message is designed that any excess luggage you have, you must drop it in Jesus' name. And all those luggages, they are going away today. In, in the book of John chapter 12, verse 25, the Bible said, if you love your life, if you love your life and preserve your life, you will lose it. You will lose your life. Assuming we are going for evangelism, you, you decided to stay and take siesta. Are you not preserving your life by taking siesta? By resting and fun will be blowing you. You are enjoying. You think you are preserving your life. And you are not going out for evangelism. And you are not going out for fellowship. And you are not going to church as and when do and on time. Because you want to be really comfortable. Eat your breakfast very well before coming. So you come late. You are preserving your life. But the Bible says you are losing your life. Because you are not getting what you ought to get. You are not serving the way you... You are not running the race according to program of God. You are not running according to pattern. The Bible also said that if you, if you lose your life, if you hate your life, you gain it. If it is raining, and you are you burst into the rain and going to church, going to fellowship, are you not losing your life? Are you not hating your life? It looks like that. But you are gaining your life. That is what the Bible is saying. Have you done fasting before? Are you, is, is that not killing yourself? Fasting? The Bible says you are gaining your life. You wake up early and read your Bible and read it. People are still sleeping, but by 5.30 you are already up, you are praying, you are singing, you are, reading, you, are, you are losing your life, you are wasting your life. That is what it will look like. But it's not true. The Bible says you are gaining it. Brethren, that is our message today. And God is charging us. 
He said in that Hebrew chapter 12, that since we have this cloud of witness around us, let us drop every weight, every excess luggage that will stop us from running this race as God has programmed it. God made you in his image and so he has interest in you. Tell somebody God has interest in you. Yes, because he has made you in his own image, he wants you to be like him and he has programmed you so. But look at what many of us are doing. You can see the joints everywhere in Enugu now. Since Enugu developed very well, in fact, joints are trying to overtake Enugu. Please don't go to any of these joints as a child of God. Don't go there. It's not for you. The church is for you. The fellowship is for you. When they are going there, go to fellowship. Those that are there may think they are, they are preserving their life. They are enjoying themselves. But they, the Bible says they are losing their life gradually. It's just like somebody bleeding. The thing is, life is trickling away. Those things are killers. But we call them enjoyment. And today, God is saying, drop them. I said, drop them. I said, drop them. Reply me now. Say, amen. Or maybe you don't want to drop it. I can, I can, I can suspect. You don't want to drop it. I said, drop it. Uh-huh. Say it again. Drop it. I mean, determined to drop those excess things that will make you go to hell. You know, I used to tell my wife at times, suppose I go to hell. I will now sit with armed robbers in the head. Was I an armed robber? I will sit with the harlots in the, in the, in the, in the hell. Will I, was, am, am I a harlot? I mean, that is the, the way this thing is. So even if you are a professor or you are a distant and you dress well and you are doing an Englishman here and you are not running the race according to pattern, you will go to hell with your fine dress, with your fine shoe. You will go to hell. It's a very serious matter and people are not even, I don't think people are, are, are conscious enough about this thing. You know, most of the time I wake up, I say, God, I will not go to hell I will, I will pray. You see, not the Bible. I start reading. I start getting. I, look, I pronounce it every morning. Try it. Every morning, tell God I won't go to hell. And you start reading your Bible and praying and working hard, preparing yourself not to go to hell. It's a serious matter. And we, are, we have not even seen the seriousness of this thing I'm saying. The whole life is packaged in a way that you, you pass through this life. If you are a teacher, you teach well and pass through the teaching and come back to God in heaven, having done the teaching well. If you are a doctor, you doctor well and pass through it and come back to heaven and with a good report. If you are teaching and you are teaching badly, teaching down your students, you will go to hell. You are not going to heaven. If you are doctoring and doctoring badly and, and doing things that is, you are not doctoring according to pattern, you will go to hell. 
How can a doctor, a consultant, stay with the arm robbers in the, in the cell, in, inside the hell? Is it not a shame? It's a shame. I want you to look at it more seriously from today. You are a director. You are a permanent secretary. You are a big man. And at the end, you go and stay with vagabonds inside the cell, in the hell. Is it good? It's not good. I won't do that. Too. Nobody will find me there. I'm telling you. You know, the man in that, the, this man that Jesus wanted to promote, he went away sorrowful. He wanted to continue to have what he has, even though he has kept all the commandments. Look, many of us have kept the commandments. But we are not ready to drop the little, little baggages that are still besetting us. And that is my message today. That those baggages must go in the name of Jesus. My story is not like this man's own. That man in, uh, in, uh, in that Mark chapter 10. My story is different. I didn't keep the commandment from my youth. <laughs> I was already a senior lecturer before I gave my life to Jesus. And today, I'm even regretting it. I say, why didn't they preach this thing to me on time? I would have given my own as a youth. But I gave my own as a senior lecturer already in the university. I didn't give my life on time. Because nobody spoke to me like I'm speaking to you today. And I challenge you, if you are hearing my voice today and you still step out and not completely, committedly giving your life to Jesus, you, ha you, have, you have every reason to blame yourself. Because it is true and it is real. And I have seen it with my naked eyes. So I was already a senior lecturer and a good Anglican. Do you know, I rose in the rank of Anglican as uh, I went through the choir. I went through youth. I went through all the, all the trainings of a good Anglican. And uh, at a point, I became the secretary of the, of the building committee of the Archdeaconry. So I was sitting with canons and the venerables and bishops in a meeting. And so, I became a big man in the Anglican, but I was not born again as a senior lecturer. Being big man, full of pride, I was driving Volvo 244 GLE. So you can imagine how I was feeling, big man, but I wasn't born again. Yet, Anglican, a full one. Let me even tell you. It was my father that was the first Anglican in my village. You know, the Anglican church entered the whole of this Enugu state you are looking at through my village. My village is all in Ojiriva, local government area. When Anglicans came in Onesha and they were evangelizing and came to Ufuma, from Ufuma they entered all in 1916. And my father... As a youth then, 
As a youth then joined them. He was cutting grass for them, fetching water, fetching firewood for them. And he became one of them. And well, if, if, but eventually when, the, when those missionaries saw that, saw Udi and saw coal miners, they moved their headquarters from all of their, their mission headquarters from all of my town to Udi. That's why Udi became the main place. And that's where their bishops and everything stayed. And so, when my father wanted to marry, he showed these missionaries one small girl, and they picked my mother and brought her to Udi to stay with the wife of Bishop Ejindo. And my mother spent three and a half years there and learned how to sew cloth, how to cook and all those things. And when she finished her training, they told my father to come from our village to come and wed my mother. And so my father came with a bicycle from my village. And after the wedding, my father carried my mother on the bicycle and they went back to the village. And they started living and they brought forth ten children, ten of us. Seven girls and three boys. I was the seventh in the line. But my first brother, you know, God is wonderful. I just want to tell you how God, why it is good to serve the Lord. I'm not sharing this message for us to laugh about it, but I, I want to tell you the impact of joining church, joining the work of God, cutting grass for God, giving money, anything you want to do, do it in the church. Don't do it out there. There is a blessing. I said there is a blessing. Praise the Lord. And so, my first brother went with my uncle to do soya in, in, uh, in Asaba, in Delta. You know what soya is? Those people that cut uh, tree in the bush, that is soya now. And so, they took their timber to AT&P, African timber and plywood in Sapele to sell. The white man saw my brother. And liked him and employed him in ATMP. And before you know it, he told my brother, I want to send you to London. You see what God can do. And so my brother joined the ship that came to, no plan that time. The ship that went to carry wood. The white man put my brother there, so my brother traveled to London. My brother was in London during the Civil War and all those things. And he came back a big man. And this, my poor father and mother in the village that are farmers now had a son that is in London. Praise the Lord. It is what God can do when you serve the Lord. And that's how we, and that's how we were all trained. And all my seven sisters got married. Their children are all over the world. And that is what God can do. When God begins to work with you and and, and if you begin to pay attention, then God will make you great. Praise the Lord. And so, brethren, but when I now grew up, I went to university, I graduated. I, and in fact, when, when I was in my fourth year in the university, I say good Anglican, of course, I was... Because my father and my mother talking about doing good, I, dis I was a self-righteous man oh, that time. 
as an Anglican, I was a self-righteous man. I used to have only one girlfriend at a time. To make sure I'm still holy. You know, if I want to drink brandy or alcohol, I drink just one cup. To show that I'm, I'm, I'm a holy man. But you know, that, that was, that, that's not what God is talking about. I was not yet regenerated. I was not yet transformed. And so one day I was in the library in my fourth year and I saw three girls solving mathematics and chemistry and I was passing. They, they, they couldn't solve it, so I solved it for them. I never knew it was my wife I was teaching. They were in secondary school. And so when I now finished my youth service, I got a job in ABU and I was given a three bedroom bungalow furnished. I said, wow, I have to marry. And so I came back to anywhere. I wanted to marry that small girl that I solved mathematics for. But unfortunately, or fortunately, the mother was a Catholic. In fact, the mother was the mother general of uh, Bigard Memorial Seminary. And uh, the woman that does Okuku Mwaka for the Catholic Church, so they were popular Catholics. And so, the mother said, my friend, you Anglican, please, just leave my daughter alone. It's not In fact, they were programming her to become a reverend sister. So I went back to Zaria, I made a, a form, and got her admission to do prelim in University of Jos. And so she came and stayed nearer to me in Zaria. From Zaria, I go and see her. And so when we now agree we must marry, no matter what is happening, we ca I came back to the mother. And the mother saw, the father gave in, and the mother now saw that she, she won't stop it again. So the mother said, I will wed in Catholic if I want to marry her, true, true. But I said, will I be able to tell my father that I want to wed in Catholic? It's not possible. I won't be able to say it. You know what I did? I just, one August 1984, one weekend, I followed my mother-in-law and all her friends. We went to Holy Ghost Cathedral and I wedded my wife. And I collected the certificate. Then, I now arranged my own wedding in Anglican Church. In us, in, in St. Andrew's Anglican Church, Jaria, Zaria. I was wedded by the current Archbishop of, 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 of Jos, Archbishop Ben Kwashi. He is the one that wedded us again in Zaria. So I collected another certificate. When we returned, my wife was going to a Catholic church in the, in, on Sunday and I go to Anglican. No problem. But one day, in September 1990, I was invited to Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International. And it was in Full Gospel Business International, I had the word of God in a way I never had it before. So I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And then I took this, my wife, to full gospel, and she also gave her life to Jesus Christ. 
It was then that the Spirit of God overwhelmed us and really got us joined together in one faith. And we began to attend one church, one everything at all time and in all place. Praise the Lord. Brother, I want to tell you that if you are in Christ Jesus, if you give your life to him and want to follow him, he will begin to pattern your way. Because from that point, God began to pattern my way. And I became an officer of Good Gospel, a national officer. I joined the uh, Nigeria Praise. I became the Southeast Coordinator of Nigeria Praise. I joined SU. I joined Gideon International. I joined Great Commission. Anywhere they call Jesus, I join it. Praise the Lord. As soon as I got born again, anywhere you call Jesus, if you want to set trap for me, set it in Jesus' house. You will catch me. That is it. That is, and brethren, I want to tell you that you are lucky now. The generation of Anglican church we have now is the one that preached this same thing that converted me. It wasn't so before. But now the Holy Spirit has gone into the Anglican church in a great dimension. That you can, if you are not born again in the Anglican church, there is no other place you can get born again. And so the word of God is going forth. Let me tell you, there are men who shedded this weight that we are asking you to shed. The excess weight, you must shed it. Say, I must shed it. Yes, I shedded my own the day I got, the day I got born again. I shedded. Look, let, let me tell you, that time, as a senior lecturer, I was in, in Rotary Club. I was in Embassy Club. I was in sports club and we go to dance in the night. But like I told you, I was a self-righteous man. So if I want to dance with a lady, I will look for a very decent lady. So that I, I don't dance with the rough ladies because I'm, I was holy. That was the thing I was thinking that time. But brethren, I can no longer go to club now. I can no longer do any of those things now. No matter how you think you are holy and you are, and you are doing it small, small, it is the same thing. Small sin and big sin, the same thing. Praise the Lord. Brethren, I want to tell you that Elisha would have died as a farmer. You know, Elisha was, was uh, uh, cultivating with 12 yokes of oxen. So he was a big farmer. Elisha was like a, a man that was having 12 tractors, cultivating large farm. But when Elijah came to him and invited him to serve the Lord with him, Elisha dropped all his 12 yokes of, of oxen and followed Elijah and served him to the end. Praise the Lord. And it is because Elisha served Elijah that God gave him double anointing and he became one of the greatest ministers of the gospel at his time. Following God makes all this difference. That is the point I'm making. If he had remained with his excess luggage of 12 yokes of oxen, he would have died in the bush as a farmer. But Elijah, Elisha was now speaking to princes and kings in palaces and in the streets and places. God promoted him. 
That was what God would have done to that man that came to him. That man that Jesus said, go and sell all your excess luggages and come and follow me. That man would have been a great man. We would have known the name of the man. We didn't know the name of the man. Did you see his name in the Bible? I didn't know his name. Even though he did nice things. He kept all the commandments. But he ended badly. You will not end badly. You will not end badly. Why are you? You will not end badly. We have to follow the Jesus with determinedly. Joseph would have perished in Potiphar's house if, she had, if he had gone into enjoyment with Potiphar's wife. He would have died there. But because he stood his ground for Christ, he became the prime minister in a foreign land. Hallelujah. Moses would have died as the son of Pharaoh's daughter in a palace, eating and drinking. But he said, no, I will follow this brethren. Brethren, let me tell you, don't go to joints. Don't go to all those eating and drinking places. Follow your brethren in the church. Follow your brethren in the fellowship. Any weekend I'm in Enugu, I normally come here to join this prayer group. You know, that's the group I belong to in this church. Nobody knows. Friday, between 5 and 6, we are here praying. That's the group I selected to join when I came to this place. And so, you must identify where to serve. Are you serving in a prayer group? Or are you in an evangelism group? Or are you fasting and praying? What are you doing? You must do something for God. Say you must do something for God. Yes, you must do something for God. Apostle Peter, Peter would have died at the riverside as a fisherman. Mosquito would have killed him. But he, he, he left all the fish and the net and followed Jesus. And Peter that wasn't, didn't know how to speak English began to speak English. Jesus promoted him. No matter your situation, if you are following God, God will promote you. And God will bless you. Son of Tarsus was lucky. Jesus met him on the way. He would have died as a criminal, as a murderer. But God transformed him and used him mightily as a preacher of the gospel. Brethren, I would have also died as a self-righteous man, thinking I was doing good. But that encounter of the Lord that I had changed everything in my life. That change is coming your way today in the name of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, this is a scripture that interested me most because it analyzed my life. Mark chapter 10 verse 29. The Bible said, There is no man that left mother or father or sister or brother or land or any comfort of his own for my sake and for the kingdom's sake. That that person will have a hundredfold of all those things he left. And also he will have eternal life. Brethren, when I gave my life to Jesus, I abandoned those my drinking friends, those my club friends, those little, little things I did and I thought I was self-righteous. I abandoned all of them. And so God connected me to a network of believers all over the world. Hallelujah. 
you are being connected today in the name of Jesus. That connection is so tremendous in full gospel, in Nigeria praise, in PFN, in Cannes, in churches, in Gideon International, Gideon Bible Ministry, in SU and Great Commission, I'm connected to all the believers networking all this. In fact, when I went to India two years ago, I called the president of, of Full Gospel in Nigeria. I told him, who is the president of Full Gospel in India? He gave me his telephone. I called the man, and the man came and checked me up in the hotel where I was. And we began to talk like brothers. And when I went to America, the same thing in UK, the same thing, anywhere, you are networked. In fact, my own became 1,000-fold. What I lost, I lost all those few drinking friends. I lost them. And I'm connected to a barrage of, of believers all over the world. Brother is great. And so you are being connected today in the name of Jesus. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, these are the scriptures that excited me. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I started reading this Bible. I have read this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've read it up to five times. And I tried to crown them in my head in order to make sure I'm doing, I'm running the race according to God's pattern. That will be your own from today. You will develop the appetite to read the Bible. You will develop the appetite to pray. You will develop the appetite to evangelize. Let me tell you, Anytime, because of the way I see what God said, because he challenged me. Look at this one. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he said, This book of the law, this Bible, this book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, so that you become prosperous and successful. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I saw this scripture, I said, is that so? If this Bible doesn't depart out of my mouth, I will become prosperous and successful. That's what the God said. Try it. I tried it. It changed my situation. I began to read the Bible. And I began to be prosperous. You know, like I told you, I gave my life in, as a senior lecturer. But from that time, I didn't have any obstacle again. When it was time for me to become a reader, I became a reader. Three years after that, I became a professor. And I checked myself and my colleagues. I graduated in 1981. But by 1998, 15 years after my youth service, I became a professor. I discovered that God really catapulted me. I have enjoyed professorship for almost 20 years now. 18 years or so, I have become... I've been professor. I've traveled all over the world. God can make somebody great if you begin to profit, if you begin to meditate in this world day and night. He will make you prosperous and he will make you successful. God has done it in my eyes. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 45, these are scriptures. I just want to say about four of them. It's not that it's the only one, but these are the ones that caught my attention and I got challenged in them. Isaiah 45 verse 19, the Bible said, God said, I have not spoken in secret. I have not spoken in dark places. I have said it in open, that the sons of Jacob will not serve me in vain. 
Brethren, as a child of God, as a son of Jacob, you will not serve God in vain. You will not serve God in vain. You are not going to serve God in vain. I have seen it. I'm not serving God in vain. There are rewards. There are blessings. Powerful blessings. And he said in Psalm 1 verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That one also excited me. I say, if I remove hand from ungodly things, if I remove hand from bad things, I will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Whose leaf fair not, but bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I will bring forth my fruit in my season. Hallelujah. Brethren, remove your hand in, in batting. Tell somebody, remove hand in batting. Yes, there are many bad things. Fornication, bribery, corruption, lying. Remove your hand in it. Then God will make you like a tree planted by the rivers. You will bring forth your fruit in your season. And finally, Jeremiah 9 verse 23. This is just the one I want to give you now. There are many. But because of time, I don't want to keep us. Today is Holy Communion service. Jeremiah 9, 23, the Bible says, Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. But let him that glory, let him that boast, let him that rejoice, Rejoice in only one thing. God permitted only one thing. That he knoweth and understandeth me. The Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. You know what that means? If you are a professor, don't rejoice that you are a professor. If you are a doctor, close your mouth. Don't say it. If you have money, forget about your money. It's rubbish. You can die and the money will die. If you, if you have motor, which motor safe? Go outside there. If you, any motor you see here, there are thousands of them outside there. Nothing, full of nothingness. The Bible said the only thing that you can glory is that you are a born again child of God. That you are a servant of the Most High God. You are an evangelist of the Lord. That you are walking in the vineyard of the Lord. That is the only thing you can boast. Brethren, anywhere I go now, I normally introduce myself as a servant of the Most High God. I don't tell the people that I'm a professor except those that know. Because that is what the Bible says. Don't boast that you have money. Nonsense money. Forget about it. Yesterday, I lost my very dear great friend, Professor Julius Honor, the former Vice Chancellor of Jesuit. He went for a burial and when he came back, he he started, he was being choked, this and that. Before you know it, the man slept off. I was in his house in the night. Mansion, he's living in a castle, in a mansion, in a, just opposite government house, in Independence Lab, yeah? Have you been to his house in the village? Another castle, another mansion. Have you been to his house in, in New Heaven, or the one in Transekulu, or all over the place, or the cars you are going to start counting? But the man is gone. The only thing you can boast is that you know God. So that you go to heaven. Brethren, 
And I thank God that those, anybody that commit himself to following this God, God will show him himself. In fact, myself, I've had experience with this God, and so nobody will tell me stories again. It is already written in my nerves that the Lord, he is God. In fact, Jesus Christ himself appeared to me about five times. I have experienced him naked eyes. So, nobody can preach to me otherwise anymore, anywhere, anytime. In full gospel convention in our back, in a field, we were standing and praying, he came. In my parlor, when I returned one afternoon, and I was waiting for my lunch, he came. And in my car, one day when I was driving, and I was facing an arm robber, he came, he entered the car, and told me what to do. And in my house, when my house girl brought in 25 liters of fuel into the kitchen, thinking it's kerosene, to start cooking with 25 liters of fuel, he appeared and saved the house. Brethren, this Jesus is real and is so practical. Because of time, I will share the encounters of this. But let me share one, please. Allow me to share one. The only one I want to share is the one, the encounter I had with him in, in that full gospel convention in Abba. It was in a field. That Abba Polytechnic. You know there, the field. And so we, the man of God, we were more than, we were more than 5,000 people, believers, praying in that field and that convention. And so when the man of God completed his message, he asked everybody to stand up and he will call out this prayer point. And all of us will start praying. We close our eyes and we are binding and losing and praying. And so while, we, while I closed my eyes and was praying, my wife was beside me, we were praying. He came. And lo and behold, a man dazzling white with a very bright eyes like the headlamp of a lorry. He was dazzlingly coming to me. And he got to me and stretched and lifted up his hand to touch me. I, I screamed. I shouted because I closed my eyes and I was praying. And this thing just went So I shouted and opened my eyes. Lo and behold, I saw nothing. And my wife said, what are you shouting? I told her, wait. And she waited. Then I closed my eyes again. We started praying. And when we were doing that, this man came from behind me so that I won't shout again. And he placed his hand on my, on my distance. When he placed his hand on my shoulder, I now turned. I saw him. I went to shout again. He said, no, do not shout. I want to show you the broad and the narrow way. The broad and narrow way is in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 4, 13 and 14. That is where the Bible wrote it. But Jesus showed it to me. Pratica. And so, he took me. Mind you, we were standing and praying, you know, but the man took me. And so we went. He, he now showed me a broad way. This broad way is like the wall of this fence to down, down there, because that Broadway can take up to eight lorries at a time. 
And people feel that Broadway from gutter to gutter to the brim. And they were moving. The only thing you'll be hearing is bim, 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 bim. And they were moving. And he told me, my son, let me show you where they are entering. And he took me down and it's like a flood. These human beings were flowing just like flood and falling into a bottomless pit. That is the hellfire. He told me, these ones are the unbelievers that refuse to accept Jesus as Lord. This is their end for eternity. And I told him, my son, let me show you the narrow way. <laughs> Brethren, do you know the Broadway is moving like this, ending in a ditch, but the narrow way is coming at right angle to it, and the narrow way cross the Broadway and continue in the other side. The only people we could see in that narrow way were five people. Five people, and they were at one interval of distance from another. And so, they were coming, but one thing about the narrow way is so beautiful. I saw the flowers I never, I've never seen in my eyes in the world. These flowers line up that narrow way, so beautiful. And there's a special wind that was blowing to them. They were looking so glamorous. But only five people were on it. And they were coming. And so when they got to the edge of the Broadway, because they had to cross the Broadway and continue on the other side. And so when they got to the edge, they prepared themselves and they entered. In fact, they were struggling through the Broadway, struggling to, to maintain the narrow way because the narrow way is still there, but these people are marching the narrow way, passing. And lo and behold, as they were struggling, two of them were pushed and pushed, and they joined the, the Broadway. He told me, my son, you can see, five of them started, and they are coming, but two has been overwhelmed. Two of them have been overwhelmed by the Broadway, by peer group, by worldly pressure, by worldly pleasure, by the good shoes they see that these people were wearing, by the good handbags they saw they were handling, and they thought that they are good people, and they joined them. But this other two, this other three continued and they crossed. He told me, my son, these three have made it down their way. And that narrow way continued onto a golden gate. Hey, brethren, I saw something that day. Praise the Lord. The only thing that he didn't open the gate for me to see heaven itself. So I saw to the gate. And by the time he showed me to the gate, the man of God that was praying had stopped praying. And everybody was saying, praise the Lord, clapping hands, trying to sit down, and they were sitting down. I was still standing alone in that field until my wife tapped me here. And I woke up. It's like I woke up from sleep. Then I sat down. Praise the Lord. In fact, I went home meditating on it, and it was glamorous. It can never disappear from my heart and from my life. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. 
I say Jesus is real. I say it again. Jesus is real. Heaven is real. Hell is also real. Don't be deceived by good bag. Don't be deceived by good shoe. Even a believer can wear good shoe. Am I not wearing good shoe? But I'm going to heaven. I'm telling you this one. So, finally, what does God expect us to do? Four things and we close. What does God expect? Haven't had all these things I have said. What is God now expecting you? You that is seated there. You that is looking at me and hearing me. What does God expect you to do? Number one, give your life to Jesus Christ. If you live here today without giving your life to Jesus, you will blame yourself. Even if you have done it and you are not sure you did it well, repeat it again today. Give your life. Make sure. It's a time to make sure. It's a season to make sure. You know, like I told you, I did it in September 1990. And let me tell you, the mother of Jesus, Mary, I normally preach this, especially when I have Catholic uh, congregation. I told them, I will tell the crowd that the mother of Jesus, that bore Jesus in her womb, she told the disciples and the servants, whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, do it. That is in John chapter 2 verse 5. It is well written there. Whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Do you know why Mary was saying that? Mary knew that Jesus is not an ordinary human being. Mary knew how she conceived him. That he just entered the belly by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary knew by his interaction with Jesus that that man is not a man. He's not a human being. He's God. She knew. And he told the disciples and everybody, whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Now, Jesus has said something in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus himself said it. He said, except you be born again. That is why I say born again is the main thing. Give your life. That is number one. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have no business with God. And the exercise is so simple, but people are reluctant to do it. Whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And people are not doing it. Somebody is not doing it. Somebody has refused to do it. Why? You want to go to hell? You are not doing what Jesus tells you to do. You want to go to hell. No. This morning, I'm dragging such a person out of hell. You will not go to hell. You will not go to hell. None of us here will go to hell. In the name of Jesus. And in Acts of Apostles chapter 4 verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no name given by which a man can be saved. The only name given is Jesus. Any other person talking about any other name, get away from that person. He's a deceiver. There's no other permission. There's no other name anywhere given except the name Jesus by which we must be saved. That is number one. So I've made my point. The first thing to do is to give your life to Jesus. Then number two, obedience to Ten Commandments like that man that I don't know his name. That man 
that kept all the commandment from the youth. Obedience. When you obey the commandments of God, when you obey what the Lord has said, then you will fulfill the commandments. You will fulfill the law. You will fulfill the rest. Adam failed because he disobeyed and he was driven out of Eden. King Saul failed because he disobeyed and he lost his kingship. Many of the kings of Israel, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, all of them failed because of disobedience. Haba, brethren, I'm challenging you today. Will you also fail? I'm asking a question. Will you also fail? Are you going to fail? I will not fail. I have resolved to succeed. I will not fail. You will not fail. In the name of Jesus. Number three. Be in his presence. Take note of these four points because I want you to work on it so that you come to heaven. You will will see me there. Be in his presence as often and as much as you can. In church fellowship, in church, in fellowship, in prayer, in fasting, in Bible reading, early morning prayer. Do not neglect God. Tell somebody, do not neglect God. Yes, that's number three. Don't neglect God. Number four, and the last one, support God's kingdom work. Give your support. Let all your support be on God's kingdom work. In fact, every money I spend must have meaning in the work of the kingdom. I don't spend my money anyhow. You know, God gave his only begotten son. Abraham gave his only son, Isaac, for the kingdom work. You know, they gave us a model of giving. God gave. Abraham gave. Jesus himself gave his life for the kingdom work. Then, what can't you give? Solomon gave a thousand oxen. If a thousand bulls enter this compound, we'll be on the run. That's what Solomon gave. And David gathered all the gold and silver and precious for the house of the Lord. David gave. Brother, all these men that gave, God blessed them one by one. You can give your time. You can give your money. You can give your soul, your life. You can drop all the excess baggages. All the makeups. All the things that distract you from being a child of God, drop them. Drop them. Drop them. Give your life. Give your time. Give your soul. Give your spirit. And Abraham, God said in blessing, I will bless you because of the gift he gave. So there is a reward. And to Jesus, God gave him a name that is above every name. And at that name, every name must bow. And every tongue must confess. That Jesus is Lord. And to Solomon, God told him, ask anything. And God gave him riches and wisdom and power and majesty. Hallelujah. Are you not looking for riches and majesty? God is ready to give you. If you can give something. 
And to David, God said, your son will not lack as a king in my throne in Israel. And it is the same thing today. So whoever gives, God blesses. And there are also people that are too strong for God in the kingdom work. Mordecai is too strong. He said, Haman, I will not bow down to you. And Joseph's too strong. And he rejected Potiphar's wife's offer. And God elevated him. Anybody that stands strong in the, for God. Moses said, no, I will stay here again. I'm going to join the church. To join the believers. To join the people of God. I will give my service to God. God blessed Moses and, make him, and made him great. Brethren, God is looking this morning for somebody to promote. Somebody to make great. Daniel said, no, I will pray, even if the king make an order, that when you hear this and that, you will bow to the golden image. Daniel said, no. Daniel went back to his, he said this thing, and began to pray. And so, Daniel was thrown into the den of lion, and the, the, the three blue boys that also refused to bow down to the golden image, they were thrown into the fairy furnace. But God promoted all of them. God saved all of them. God will save you in the name of Jesus. As you stand for God, God will save you. As you stand for God, God will defend you. God will protect you. God will make you great. God will make you mighty. Praise the Lord. Bend down your heads and let us pray. My lifetime. I will give God my lifetime. My lifetime, I will give God my lifetime, if I give God my lifetime, He will take care of me, He will never, never let me down. I will give God my lifetime. Sing it one more time as we pray. My life. In fact, it's a prayer. It's a prayer is already going on. I want you to concentrate. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My lifetime. I will give God my lifetime. If I give God my lifetime, He will take care of me. He will never, never let me down. When I give my lifetime, brethren, just bend down your heads. Focus on this man that I talked about, Jesus Christ that appeared unto me. He is Lord. He will appear to you from this day. And so just those of you that want to give their life to Jesus, that want to renew their life in Him, even if you have done it before, but you are no longer too sure, do it again. In fact, in, when I gave my life initially to God, any other fellowship I went, they say, give your life, I give again. I have given and given and given. It's never overdose. You can even give again. Just put your right hand on your chest. I'm not asking you to stand. You are not giving it to me. It's a thing of the heart. It's a thing of the spirit. And Jesus himself will visit you. 
you, he will visit. Not the ground, not me. He has visited me. So give your life to him. Put your right hand on your chest. And you will pray this simple prayer. That is what it means by being born. Born again. That is born again. Because Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom. Brethren, do it so that I will see you in heaven. Do it so that you will enter. Put your right hand on your chest. Pray this simple prayer with me. My Father and my God. Say it. My Father and my God. I have heard your word. I, have, I believe you. Because it is true. For your word is true. Lord Jesus. I now. Intentionally. Surrender my life to you. I am now your child. Receive me as your own. And make me born again. So that I can see and enter. Into the kingdom of God. Do it for me Lord. With your mercy. And with your compassion. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. I will pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can see these ones, many of them, that have put their right hand on their, on their chest. Father, let John 3 verse 3 be accomplished in their life today. That today they have given their life to you. Lord Jesus, accept them as your own. Remember what you say in John 1 12, that to them that believe, you get power to be sons of God. From today, they are sons and daughters of God. It will be so in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I cancel their names in the book of death. I transfer their names into the book of life. From today, they are born again. They are children of the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. The final prayer Everybody now stand up. Just the final prayer. In this prayer, think of what you will do because you will give service to God. Are you going to join the prayer group? Are you going to join? In fact, determine in your heart. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer of commitment. I want to serve God. That is a prayer. I want to serve God. God help me. Where to serve you, how to serve you, the way to serve you. Pray that prayer because you are the one making the commitment. Father, I want to serve you. I have heard your word. I believe your word. I want to serve you. Is it in evangelism? Is it in, in prayer? Is it uh, in giving? Is it in bringing money? Any of the service is service. Anywhere God leads you, you can serve the Lord. But don't spend your money on frivolities. Don't spend your money in joints. Bring your money, bring your time, bring your talent into the house of the Lord. Serve the Lord and the blessings of God will abide with you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I lift up these men and women. This church, almighty Jehovah. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because you have revealed your words unto these ones today and they are making a commitment to serve you. Father, bring down your glory. Bring down your power. Bring down your fire. Bring down your blessings. 
bring down your grace upon these ones that from now they all will catch fire to begin to serve the Lord acceptably and to move according to his will. Father, we give you thanks because you have answered us. Receive our honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.